Well, let's praise the Lord for that. What a tremendous song, and thank you, Carissa. Um, You don't know this, but I'll call her out. She didn't have very much time to learn that song because Jenna was slated to sing that, and she is sick and was unable to be here tonight. So thank you, thank you, um, yeah, for, for stepping up, and what a beautiful, beautiful voice you have, and, and I love that song. I love O Holy Night, two of my favorite songs, so thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have a Bible with you, uh, let's turn to Romans chapter 5 as we uh, just take a few moments to... kind of wrap up a few things concerning uh, this series we've been in called The Gift. You know, tomorrow, uh, people all around the world are going to be celebrating Christmas, many of them tonight, uh, many tomorrow, some of them both nights, and many who celebrate Christmas every single year do so with little or no knowledge as to really the significance of this season and really what Christmas is all about. For some, it's just a holiday, it's a day off work or a few days off of work, and for others, you know, it's just about giving gifts. You know, Christmas is a gift-giving season for us. Certainly, people that we love, we, we go out and we meticulously kind of buy them gifts and we give them to them. We love to give gifts, we love to receive gifts, and that's just a part of the holiday season. Yet, Christmas is really about God expressing his love to the world By giving us one of the greatest gifts that he could ever give to us, it is not, as I said, a gift, it is the gift, and the gift is Jesus. And really, this is what the season's all about. Again, John 3, 16, for God so loved that he he gave, he gave his son. And the reason why he gave his son is because the world was on a collision course with God's punishment. When you look at that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his son so that all who believe in him would what? Not perish, but have everlasting life. And so the world was on this collision of perishing. And so God stepped into the world through Jesus to address the messiness of the world in which we live. And this is just, though, one event that fits in really into a puzzle. And so what we've tried to do over the last several weeks on our Sunday morning services is to look at the broad picture of the puzzle and see how Christmas fits into that uh, broad perspective of, of God's events that would cause the angels to show up to the shepherds and say, we bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people for today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And so we've looked at the gifts that were brought about a year and a half after Jesus' birth by the wise men, the magi who came from the east, and they brought three gifts that really display the three roles that Jesus would play as he entered into the world, God in human flesh. The first gift was that of gold. It's a gift of royalty. It's a gift of kingship. Jesus came to establish his kingdom. When Jesus began his ministry, he said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. He is the king over that kingdom. And they've also brought frankincense, which is the gift of um, used in sacrifices. And it's it's, um, a spice and it speaks of his being a high priest, that Jesus came to be the mediator between holy God and sinful man. He came to be our representative. 
and they brought the gift of myrrh. Myrrh was used as a spice in the embalming process or preparing a body for burial. And so Jesus, uh, our suffering Say, our suffering servant is displayed in that, that gift. And so Christmas is really not about presence under a tree. It's really about Christ's presence on a tree, the cross of Calvary. And the reason Jesus died on that cross to be our suffering servant so that he might pay the penalty for our sins so that we might have new life, not just physical life, eternal life, that we'd have life in our spirit, in our soul, that we would connect with our creator. And so the reason Jesus stepped out of heaven and adorned himself in human flesh was to address, again, the messiness of this world. So here's how Paul states it in Romans chapter 5 and verse 12. He makes this statement, therefore, just as sin entered into the world through one man and death through sin, and in this way, death came to all men because all have sinned. And so in this one verse, Paul lays out a threefold process. He says, first, sin invaded the world. So when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden in the very beginning, it, just, it did not just affect them, it affected all of creation. And so God's created world fell into disarray, into chaos, it's almost like creation had COVID and it was groaning under the weight of sin and it could no longer um, do what it was designed to do. As a result of that sin entering into the presence of the created world, it's why we have natural disasters. We have things like earthquakes and tsunamis and tornadoes and uh, volcanoes and those kinds of things that disrupt our lives and the and the created planet upon which we live. But then he takes it further. He goes, now death came, sin entered, but then death came through sin. Prior to Adam's death, there was no sin. Death was non-existence prior to his sin. Excuse me. Um, it says that his death, that death spread to all people, that death reigned upon the planet. So we have noted in this series that when Adam and Eve chose to sin, um, God said, on that day that you do that, you will surely die. That death would be brought into the realm of humanity, something that was unknown prior to that sin. They chose to take that step, that action against God, and so they died immediately in their spirit, progressively in their soul, their mind, will, and emotions, which meant that they were separated from God, they had spiritual death, and they began to think things and feel things and say and do things they had never done before, that they had never thought they would say, do, or think, or feel, because sin took root inside of them, and then ultimately they died in their bodies. So that brings us to the fact that death brings three levels or three phases. There's physical death, separation, um, which is separation from the living. When I, this body ceases to function like yours, we will you know, we'll be out of this world and we will be separated from those who are alive here on planet Earth. We get that, we understand that, but there's spiritual death, which is separation from God, and eternal death, which is permanent physical and spiritual separation from God in a place called hell. And the key term here is separation. This is why Jesus came into the world to bridge that separation, 
to be the bridge over which he could become the mediator. And so the Bible says there's only one mediator between God and man, and his name is Jesus. He is the gift that God has given to the world that could, it would enable us to reverse the effect of sin upon our lives. And then Paul went on to say that death came then to all men because all have sinned. In other words, when Adam sinned, we sinned with him. You say, well, wait a minute. I wasn't there. I wasn't even born yet. In fact, it was a long time between me and Adam. What are you talking about? And so Paul in Romans chapter 5, he in 12 and verses 12 through 21, makes this comparison between the obedience the disobedience of Adam and the obedience of Christ and how both of their actions affected humanity. Both were our representatives. And so Adam represented humanity. Our DNA was in essence from Adam. And therefore we have all sinned. And one of the ways that we know that we have all sinned is because we all, we all die. And people say, well, but I, again, I, I just don't, I, I don't know that I would have done what Adam did. Really? Uh, you know, God in his infinite wisdom knows that if you would have faced the same temptation Adam faced in the garden, he and Eve, that you would have, pro- you would have done the same thing. He knows that you can't, even, you can't even withstand temptation over a bag of Oreos, let alone somebody offering you to become as powerful and as knowledgeable as God himself, which is what Satan was offering Adam and Eve. We, we get that. We understand that. And so we know that we, have, we are guilty because we have ratified that choice over and over again in our lives. Hasn't there been a point in your life where you adopted Adam's line of thinking, I know better than God, uh, I, I would rather do what I want to do than you know, what God wants me to do. And, the, you know, the heart just does not want to submit and surrender under God's authority. That does not come natural to us. In fact, just the opposite. We want to do what we want to do regardless of what God says. I just don't want Jesus, as we studied in the very first message, I just don't want Jesus to be my shepherd. I don't want him to be my king I don't want him calling the shots in my life. People want the kid on Christmas, the baby in the manger. They just don't want the king. Just leave Jesus in the manger until next year, and let's have a celebration as long as the kid doesn't become king, because if the kid ever becomes king, the king, I have to do more than just sing a Christmas carol. I've got to surrender and submit my life under his guidance I've got to surrender and submit my life under his kingship. I need to let him be the shepherd of my life to guide me. But rather than following Jesus, we have invited him to follow us, to serve our purposes and to do our will. But I have discovered that playing God in our own lives is exhausting. It absolutely is exhausting. And we do a very poor job at it. And so even though we weren't physically present with Adam when he sinned, We have ratified that choice. And the reason we want to leave Jesus in the manger is because we are not on a holiness quest. We are on a happiness quest. Watch this. We believe, most people believe, that if I I truly surrender my life to Jesus as king and the shepherd of my life, then I'm going to miss out on the best things. That the best things in life are outside of Jesus. Right? That's the temptation of your heart. That's the thing you struggle with day in and day out 
in your earthly life. Is that, you know, if, um, man, if I submit to Jesus, I'm, I get less rather than more. And so we pretend. And the reason we pretend is because we know in our, in our heart of hearts that the things that we think are going to do it for us outside of Jesus really don't do it for us. For example, let's pretend that if we just move into that new house, we're going to be happier than we've ever been in our lives and we'll never move again. Let's pretend that because we know that's not going to happen, right? We're never, we're never content. We get that house. We got to get a bigger house, a better house, and we got a remodeled house. Let's pretend that if we just end one relationship and start another one, we'll just never feel trapped again, right? If I just end this one, or let's pretend that if we had more money, we'd be more satisfied, or let's pretend if we get through the messy pile of washing, dirty diapers, and shopping, and school runs, and busy evenings, next week, and through the holidays, next week will be so much quieter. And we know it doesn't work. The reason why I know that we know it doesn't work is because when the pretending doesn't do it for us, then we start living lives of distraction and we divert ourselves. This is why we're so addicted to things like entertainment and TV and social media, because I can shut down my mind, shut down my emotions. I don't have to think. I don't have to feel. I can just kind of sit there and be numb and just be entertained and just just not have to deal with life itself. But then, things like COVID happen, and we're confronted with death once again, and we realize there's something that is way beyond our control. And so death has come. And I want you to know that human death is not the result of personal individual sin. The reason people die is not because they personally sin, but because all human beings sinned in Adam. How do I know that? Because infants die, and they've never committed any act of sin. But the reason they die is because they were born in Adam's DNA. Now, the reason I point all of this out is simply this. Jesus left heaven and stepped into the realm of humanity because we needed a representative who could think and feel like God and who can think and feel like a human being. He is the God-man, 100% God, 100% human, who stepped into this world to suffer on our behalf. And as we said last week, the depth of, the depth of love that somebody has for you is always seen through the level of sacrifice they're willing to make for you. Listen, there is no level of sacrifice I would not make for my wife my children, my grandchildren, if it cost me my life, it wouldn't matter. That's what you do for people you love. And this is the level of sacrifice that Christ brought to us as he entered into the realm of humanity as our high priest. He just, you know, he just, he, he experienced everything that we experienced, satanic attack and abandonment and betrayal and stress and struggle and poverty and slander and being beaten, shamed and pain and the list goes on and on. But Here's what Jesus did, and this is a statement that should come up on the screen. Jesus came as the second Adam to repair and to restore what sin had damaged and destroyed. So, very quickly, in five minutes, here's three things. There are three times in these passages, I'm going to pick it up in verse 15. Paul said, but the gift, who's the gift? Jesus. The gift is not like the trespass, for if... The many died by the trespasses of the one man. How much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? 
And again, the gift of God is not like the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man of Jesus Christ? But where, in the last verse, but where there is sin, where sin increased, grace increased all the more. And so here's what Paul says to us. He uses the term much more three times. He speaks of abundance. So here's what you get through the gift of Jesus. You get an abundance of restoration. He says, man, Adam's sin was so devastating that it not only affected him and the generations after him, it affected all of creation. And the reason why you and I die is because we were born in Adam. The reason we came into this world separated from God, spiritually dead, the reason we came into this world that our soul is tainted by sin and we struggle with all kinds of sinful issues in our lives, and the reason why these bodies will one day physically die is because we were born into the world in Adam. But when you put your faith and your trust in Jesus and his payment on the cross, our suffering servant, you are no longer in Adam, but now you are placed in Christ. And as a result of being in Christ, you receive every spiritual blessing God has for you through Jesus Christ. And it is abundant. It is a, an abundant restoration that God has done for us. And so Paul begins to unfold the argument, man, uh, condemnation is the natural, justified, appropriate response to Adam's sin. Man, judgment came and people kept sinning after that and sinning after that all throughout the course of humanity. So where there's an abundance of sin, there's abundance of condemnation, an abundance of judgment. For example, if I robbed a bank, I would receive a sentence. But if I robbed several banks and killed someone in the process, I would receive a much harsher judgment. And so when you look at the accumulation of all of humanity's sin, even our own personal sin, the harshness of judgment, God was justified in unleashing his wrath upon the sin of humanity. We are he is justified to unleash that on us. But Jesus stepped in our place. That's the gospel, Jesus in my place, to take the payment for me. And so in faith in him, now I am in Christ. And God, I have bypassed that condemnation, that wrath of God. So what does that have to do with us? Here's, here's what I've discovered among many, among many people who walk with Jesus is that you feel so distant from God from time to time. You know, I just can't go to church anymore, Pastor. I can't pray. I can't seem to read my Bible. I try to go to the Lord. I try to talk to him. But all this stuff from my past keeps coming up. All this stuff I did, you know, in my past. And I just feel guilty and I feel shameful. And I, I just feel so dirty. And, and you know, I, these things happen to me. And things I can't even talk about. And so you struggle and you struggle and you struggle in your prayer life and your walk with God. And what, what Paul says is, listen, no matter how great the sin it just increases God's grace, that God has covered your grace. You are therefore, those who are in Christ are have no condemnation that when you come into the presence of God, you do not come into his presence with God's condemnation hanging over you. God has already forgiven you of your sins. He's already justified you in his eyes as just as if, if you have never sinned, we're 
where sin abounds, grace abounds in an even greater way. You don't have to shrink back and think, oh, I, I want to be close to God, but I can't be close to God because of these things. No, 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 no. That's a lie of the enemy. Jesus brings us full restoration. The second thing he brings us is full righteousness. Paul went on to say, through this one act of obedience, Christ made us righteous. How long do you think it took for Adam and Eve to actually commit this act of sin? Like they took that forbidden fruit? Like was it five minutes, 10 minutes, 15? And yet it took Jesus 33 years of obedient living because one sin would have disqualified him from being the spotless lamb of God who was going to die in our place. 33 years. His obedience was so much greater than that of Adam and Eve's. And the righteousness that he has placed upon us is a billion times greater through that great exchange that Jesus took our sin debt and credited it to his account, and he took his righteousness and credited it to our account. And so Paul put it this way in 2 Corinthians 5, because he, the Father, made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And God charged our sins to Jesus' account and credited his perfect righteousness to our account, which is why Jesus, as our high priest, says, when we come into God's throne room, as Jesus is seated upon the throne, when we come into that throne room, we gain access to that throne room because of what Jesus has done. He's made us clean and pure and holy to enter into his presence, and we are to come boldly, not timidly, not shamefully, but boldly with our hurts and our needs and our habits and our hang-ups and he says he will give us what grace in our time of need and if that were enough and this is just the tip of the iceberg he also gives us abundance in reigning reigning with him and so he he says where death reigns because it's appointed unto man to die once, death reigns. Every time we go to a funeral, we're reminded that death reigns. When you stay, stand beside the bed of a loved one who's dying, you, you're reminded that death reigns. But it just doesn't stop there because Jesus gives us something so much bigger. And those who receive Christ, we reign ultimately with Christ. As Paul said, death has no victory over us. When this body ceases to function, I move into the presence of God. And Paul goes on to say, not only is death no longer reigning over me, but now I will rule and reign over God's creation. This is the assignment that he gave to Adam and Eve in the very beginning, to rule and to reign, to steward his creation. And so what Paul unfolds for us in these passages very quickly is that simply one day you and I are going to rule with Christ. Now, I want us just to look at a few verses as we close this time out together, and they should come up on the screen. Listen to what it says. Paul says in Ephesians 2, 5, and 6, but because of God's great love for us, whose rich in his mercy made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And, watch this, God raises us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Now, this is past this is past tense. This has already happened. In other words, when you got placed into Christ, you were, you were 
raised up with Jesus, you are already seated in the heavenlies with Christ as far as God's concerned. So that's why death has no victory over me. Death does not reign over me. Yes, this physical body will cease to function, but then my spirit and soul exits out of the body and I enter into Christ's presence because I have been destined to be in heaven with Christ and to rule and to reign with Jesus. He says it this way in Galatians 2.20, I have been, have been, passed. I have been crucified with Christ. So when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified with him. Why? Because Jesus is your representative, just like Adam was your representative. And when Adam sinned, you sinned with him. Now in Christ, when Jesus was crucified, you were crucified with him. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That is the abundance of salvation that we have through Christ. Do you not know that we will judge angels how much more the things of life and if that you say well how do i know that i'm going to be reigning with christ well look at revelation 5 and they sang a new song you are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain and with your blood you purchased men from every tribe language and people and nation you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our god and they will reign on earth when are we going to reign on earth when Jesus comes back at his second coming and establishes his millennial kingdom here on earth, we will be ruling and we will be reigning with him. That is the abundance that we have in Christ, our Savior, our Lord, our King, our High Priest, our suffering servant. This is what he brought to the table for us because we are in Christ. What a salvation. It is the gift. So in response, let me encourage you to welcome him into your heart and life to be king. It's like any gift that we receive, it's not really ours until we receive it and unwrap it and accept it. Jesus is not king, your shepherd over your life. He's not your savior. You are not in Christ until you personally unwrap that gift and you receive him and you accept him as savior and Lord of your life. And you choose to surrender yourself to his lordship. And then we worship him, right? Worship is that daily surrender of my life to Jesus as my shepherd, my king, my lord. As I lay my body on the altar as a holy sacrifice every single day, holy and pleasing unto him. And then thirdly, we witness about him. Man, when the shepherds received the good news, the Bible says they went and see to see if this thing had happened. And when they saw Christ, that they, they fled and they went out and they told everybody about what they had seen and experienced. And that's God's calling upon our lives. So tonight we're going to end this service together. We're lighting our little fake candles. So the way you do this is you just kind of snap it and that'll light her up. And our praise team is going to come and they're going to lead us in worship as we sing some songs together in closing out our service. Again, I'm just so, so grateful and glad that you're here with us. And let's just, let's just lift up our voices. Jesus, our King. Jesus, our High Priest. Jesus, our Suffering Servant. Jesus, who brought us the abundance of restoration, the abundance of righteousness, the abundance of ruling and reigning with Him forever and ever. Amen? Amen. Let's just stand together as we just close out this time singing together.
time singing this together. said amen let's just give the lord a clap offering of praise for what he's done this evening thank you everybody for being here this evening and everybody that was on facebook have a safe drive home and don't forget as pastor greg mentioned about the love offering drive safely thank you everybody have a wonderful christmas and we look forward to seeing you sunday thank you